And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with. All right, podcasters, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Today, we're going to talk about vitamin D overall, and we're going to dive deep into what are the benefits of vitamin D? Why is it so essential? How does it work? And before I start, let me discuss with you why I'm even talking about vitamin D, because some of you may be thinking, vitamin D, are you kidding me? Of course it's a good thing. Everybody knows that. It's common knowledge to supplement with vitamin D. Come on. I mean, really. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to one of my colleagues, medical colleagues. He was giving a very interesting talk on kidney stones. And so part of his discussion during his talk was that vitamin D does not necessarily increases the risk of kidney stones, but it may not be necessary. And he kind of poo-pooed it. So I sent him a text. I said, hey, I have great talk on kidney stones and diet, but why are you down on vitamin D? And his response was, oh, Gio, you know, vitamin D, everybody in nephrology is down on vitamin D. No one recommends it. All the studies show that it doesn't do anything for you. I was blown away by that comment, right? Everyone knows that vitamin D doesn't do anything for you. Hmm. So, and of course, he's a trusted source and a friend. So I was like, well, what am I missing here? I recommend vitamin D to absolutely all my patients and everyone. I think vitamin D is essential for everyone. I don't care what you come with. I don't care where you're from. I don't care the pigmentation on your skin. I think everybody should supplement with vitamin D. So immediately what I did is I went back to the research. I have files on vitamin D. What am I missing here? All right. So let's talk about how vitamin D works. It's a hormone that your skin makes once it's exposed to sunlight radiation. So once your skin is exposed to sunlight radiation, your skin uses some cholesterol. Hmm. Hmm. So we do need cholesterol for many things. As an aside, we sometimes play the cholesterol limbo. How low can you go? So lower, better. And I don't think that approach is the right approach, but that's a different topic for a different day. Once your skin is exposed to ultraviolet light, it then starts the process of activating vitamin D in the body. So yes, the main form and probably the most essential and best form of getting vitamin D in your body is through sunlight exposure. We're going to talk about that in a second. Eventually, your liver turns the vitamin D3 into what's called 25-hydroxy vitamin D3 or calcidiol, and then 25-hydroxy vitamin D3 is converted into kidney to a 125-dihydroxy vitamin D3. That's the active form. That's what does many of the benefits of vitamin D3. This is why it's important to have healthy kidneys. The kidneys have many functions. One of them is converting the inactive form of vitamin D3 to the active form. 
So when you go to your doctor and you get your blood test, what you're looking for is not 125-D-hydroxyvitamin D3. You're looking for 25-hydroxyvitamin D3. So that's what you test in the blood. Because 125-hydroxyvitamin D3, which, yes, you can test from a blood test, it's pretty much telling you how your kidneys are functioning, not the amount of vitamin D3 in your system. All right, so that's that. So, sunlight. Oh, just get sunlight. What's the problem? Just get enough sunlight and you'll be fine. You won't need vitamin D3. (laughs) You know where I'm going with this, right? It's a bit silly, right? For numerous reasons. Number one is because right now, as I give this podcast, it is 25 degrees Fahrenheit here in New York. No one is going outside and spending any amount of time outside under the sun, getting sun exposure, right? So that's number one. So yes, in the wintertime, you need more vitamin D than you probably need in the spring and certainly in the summer. So that's that. From supplementation, we'll talk about that in a second. The other component is, yeah, let's say it's summer, let's say it's 90 degrees outside. You know the deal there, right? A, no one is really doing a whole lot of sun exposure without sunscreen. And once you apply sunscreen, sunscreen lotion protects you from sunlight radiation. So about 95% of sunscreen out there is so protective that it reduces the production of vitamin D. So in order to make vitamin D from the sun, you cannot wear or use sunscreen. That's the other point. And lastly, yeah, you need to be almost naked to be out there under the sun with no sunscreen. So you need to be with very little clothing, have most of your body exposed to the sun, and all you really need is about 15 minutes a day. So I don't have any concerns if, for example, people sunbathe for about 15 minutes a day, particularly the fairer skin you are, the more careful you want to be with sunlight exposure, right? Because you want to protect yourself from skin cancer. But 15 minutes a day, roughly, it gives you enough vitamin D. And so, again, you have to be sort of almost naked. Those with darker complexion, so this is melanin, those with more melanin, which the darker you are, the more melanin you produce, that protects you from the side effects from sun exposure, but it also decreases the production of vitamin D3. So the darker you are, if you're going to take the natural route, the darker you are, the more vitamin D3 you need and the more sun exposure you need. Another friend who is an academic person said, well, if you need vitamin D3, why evolutionarily so difficult to get other than from the sun? In other words, food doesn't really have that much vitamin D3. The answer to that is that we don't live in a natural world. We should be eating organic food from your backyard. If you eat animal products, they're grass-fed, organic. They're not fed corn. They're not fed soy, chickens from the backyard. We're moving a lot to get our food or to survive. So a lot of physical activity. And we would have a decent amount of sun exposure. We do not live in a natural world. The best method of getting enough vitamin D3 in a natural way without consuming anything is through sun exposure. By the way, 
when people talk about sunlight, sun exposure does many other things that are healthy. There are beta endorphins that sort of make you feel good from sun exposure. So a 20-year study showed that people that expose themselves to the sun, they have lower rates of multiple diseases and they die less frequently prematurely. This is a 20-year study. So I don't want to oversimplify and say, well, of course, that's vitamin D3. I don't know that. They assumed that, yeah, it's due to vitamin D3. So those that were exposed to the sun more frequently had higher vitamin D3 levels. I don't know that. There's other benefits from sunlight exposure. Beta endorphins, feel-good hormones and chemicals. There is something called substance P, sort of make you feel good as well and decreases pain and so forth. So some sun exposure for about 15, 20 minutes a day is a really good thing. But again, you and I both know that's very difficult to do, though it's something that we should strive for when the weather allows, okay? So that's that. So this notion of, well, maybe we don't need vitamin D3 because there's not much in our food, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So it's true. You cannot get vitamin D3 from food, really. I mean, you can, but not a whole lot. For example, the most vitamin D3 you can get from food is probably from salmon. Let's just say three ounces of salmon will give you about 500 units of vitamin D3. That's nothing. That is absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, when you have full body exposure to sunlight for about 20 minutes or so, you can get up to five to 10,000 units in one shot of vitamin D3, give or take. You're not going to get it from food. The next best, so we talked about salmon and Actually, it's more like pink salmon that's canned that gives you that amount of vitamin D3. Then it's sardines, and sardines is half as much. It's like 230 units a day of vitamin D3. So you cannot get good vitamin D3 from food alone. You need supplementation, period, end of story. Dietary supplements, nutraceuticals of vitamin D3 are essential. I don't want to oversimplify that point, right? Because the one pill approach to health is not what I recommend. If your diet is poor, if you are not exercising and not doing all the other things that are important for you to stay well, despite of a diagnosis like prostate cancer or other conditions, I'm not sure that the one pill is going to save you. So you never want to look at it that way. You want to look at it holistically. What complements the other? So vitamin D3 in pill form is the best thing to take to have enough vitamin D3 in your system. All right. So then now, why would my friend and colleague, medical colleague, he's an academic person, hardcore. Why would he say that? Well, my suspicion is that he was kind of referring to one of the more recent trials called the VITAL trial, where they looked at vitamin D3 and omega-3 fatty acids to see if that reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease, and cancer. So some of the conclusions, and there were many studies in the VITAL trial, showed that vitamin D3 didn't protect from much. But when you look back at the studies, they do show that the VITAL trial does reduce the risk of some cancer. They would call non-statistically significant reduction. Well, sometimes what's statistically significant or not statistically significant is clinically significant. What's the problem with the VITAL trial? The problem with the VITAL trial, and it's a really randomized trial, gold standards in research, placebo-controlled, big trial, great design. 
The problem is that they gave the participants 2,000 units a day of vitamin D3. All right, so let's talk about dosing vitamin D3 for a second. What's the right dose? The right dose of vitamin D3 depends on the person. The right dose of vitamin D3 depends on the amount of vitamin D3 you have in your bloodstream on any given day. And for each person is different. So I remember back in the day, let's just say 20 years ago, where we were giving, and I say we, you know, naturopathic or functional medicine or integrative doctors, we were giving about 2,000 units a day of vitamin D3 back then where that seemed like a very high amount. So we were constantly questioned by other practitioners about the high dosing of vitamin D3 at 2,000 units a day. Now, of course, I prescribe a whole lot more than that. We'll get to that. Back then, your multi had 400 units a day. So when you prescribe five times as much, that's a big deal, right? The problem with the vital trial, the vital study, is that 2,000 units a day does not bring the blood level of vitamin D high enough to make it protective for many people, maybe even for most people. Why is that? 2,000 units a day happens to be a very low dosage of vitamin D3. The amount of vitamin D3 that you want is where you can get your blood levels to about roughly 50 nanograms per milliliter. So testing for vitamin D3 is important. And the problem is that likely your practitioner is not testing you. So you need to ask for a test of vitamin D3. And the test is 25 hydroxy vitamin D3, the blood test that we care about, the serum test, not 125 dihydroxy vitamin D3. Okay, so it's 25 hydroxy vitamin D3. So you want your healthcare practitioner to test you and you want to be around 50 nanograms per milliliter, give or take really between 40 and 60. I have my patients around 50 nanograms per milliliter. Okay, so why can't 2000 units a day give you around 50 nanograms per milliliter because the amount of vitamin D3 that you need to get you to about 50 nanograms per milliliter depends on many factors. How big you are, the bigger you are, the more vitamin D3 you need. As an example, I've had patients, let's just say six feet tall, 250 pounds, and I give them 5,000 units of vitamin D3 and their blood levels is about 33 nanograms per milliliter. So i boost them up to 10,000 units a day. And lo and behold, that's what gets them up to a sufficient or optimal level. Pigmentation, the darker you are, the more you need because you're not getting much vitamin D3 from the sun, assuming that you're not spending that much time out there under the sun because you need to spend more time than 20 minutes, like I said earlier, if you're from a darker complexion. In fact, studies showed that African-American men, black men, have higher risk of prostate cancer, also higher risk of multiple diseases, higher risk of diabetes, heart disease. And probably the main reason for that is vitamin D deficiency. That's a simplified statement and it's correlation, not causation based on the studies. But I believe that that's one of the main problems with black men being at a higher risk of all these diseases, including not only prostate cancer, but aggressive prostate cancer, the kind that can potentially kill you. So that's vitamin D3. So the bigger you are, the more you need. The darker your complexion, the more you need. And you also need to take it with food. 
So I've had patients who are not that big, let's say 150 pounds, 5'7", give them 5,000 units a day, and they go up to about 40 nanograms per milliliter. I'm saying, wow, 5,000 units a day, and this person who's not that big only goes up to 40 nanograms per milliliter. What's happening here? So when we have the discussion, they're not having it with food. Or they are on a low-fat diet, and so they're not taking it with enough fat. Because it's not having it with food, it's really having it with fat because vitamin D3, again, is a hormone, it's fat soluble. So it's absorbed with fat. So typically I have my patients have it with food or have it with fish oils. So fish oils, it's a fat and that helps with the absorption. All right, let's move on. So then there's three levels of how much vitamin D3 you want in your serum test, in your blood test. There is sufficient level, there is deficient level, and then there's optimal. According to the Institute of Medicine, the amount that they want people to be at is about 30 nanograms per milliliter. Anything lower than 30 nanograms per milliliter would be considered insufficient amount of vitamin D3. The Endocrinology Society suggests anywhere between 40 to 60 nanograms per milliliter, which is the amount that any responsible practitioner who want their patients to be. So insufficiency, insufficient amount of vitamin D3, that's anything below 30 nanograms per milliliter. You don't want insufficient because what that means is anything that's insufficient means only this is the amount low enough so that your parathyroid hormone, so this is the parathyroid glands that's kind of sits behind the thyroid gland, anytime there's insufficient amount of vitamin D3 in the system, which causes less calcium absorption. So one of the main things that vitamin D3 does is it prevents rickets. So that's what my friend said, actually. He said, look, vitamin D3 is not necessary. And the only benefit there is for the prevention of rickets. Rickets is deformity of the bones from vitamin D deficiency. There's a bow-legged look as a result of vitamin D deficiency. That's rickets. An insufficient amount of vitamin D3 would cause the release of parathyroid hormone to increase the amount of calcium absorption so that prevents rickets or bone density problems. And that's it. Meanwhile, the studies are overwhelming with regards to the benefits of vitamin D3 for reducing the risk of cancer across the board reducing the risk of LUTs. LUTs is lower urinary tract symptoms, like urinary symptoms. Reducing the size and volume of the prostate. Now, listen to me carefully. I'm not saying, hey, just take vitamin D3. If you have a big prostate, your prostate will get smaller from just taking vitamin D3. I'm not saying that. I am saying, however, that studies have shown that those that have adequate amounts of vitamin D3 in their system tend to have smaller prostates and lower risk of urinary symptoms, and lower risk of prostate cancer, and lower risk of colon cancer, or at least deadly colon cancer. And it promotes improved blood glucose levels, particularly in one study looking at a group of men and women with blood sugar problems, it showed that it decreased acute insulin response to glucose. So there was less of a risk of insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance. A good thing at 10,000 units a day, at least in this study. Now, the studies that show that, well, vitamin D3 is not good for 
blood glucose or prevention of diabetes, provided large amounts of vitamin D3, 20 to 50,000 units once a month. So there is the other point. How often should I get vitamin D3? My doctor has given me one shot of 50,000 units a day. It seems that the daily consumption of vitamin D3 at about 4,000 to 5,000 units a day on average, and again, you only really know through blood work, four to 5,000 units a day on average is the right amount for most people. That has been my clinical observation. So I never give or recommend less than 4,000 units a day to patients. Sometimes I go up as high as 10,000 units, depending on those other factors that we spoke about earlier. We don't want to have sufficient levels of vitamin D3. We want to have optimal levels. And optimal is about 50 nanograms per milliliter on a blood test. All right, Dr. Gio, that's great. How about vitamin D toxicity? Is it safe to take vitamin D? Are there any safety issues with taking vitamin D3? And the answer is no. Wait, what? There are no safety issues with vitamin D3? I read on the internet that you can have toxic amounts, that it can increase the risk of this, that, and the other. No. One exception. There's been numerous case reports where people have taken anywhere from a million units of vitamin D3 to 3 million units of vitamin D3. Now, let's put that in context. I recommend, as I told you earlier, four to 5,000 units of vitamin D3 a day. Sometimes I go up to 10,000 units a day. These case reports are of people taking up to 3 million units a day. Why? Because there was a manufacturing issue with some supplements or protein powder. There was a manufacturing error and they added way more vitamin D3. So there's about three case reports online, and this is in PubMed. And all these case reports, again, taking up to 3 million units a day, no one died. And there were some kidney problems. There was excess fatigue. There were problems because it's now you have extreme high levels of calcium, and high levels of calcium is not a good thing. So there are issues, but no one died from such an extreme amount, and they were taking such high amounts for months at a time. Can somebody die from taking excess amount of vitamin D3? Highly unlikely. And yes, if there's a lab error or manufacturing error with the supplement, then that's the only way. But I've never seen that in my 20-year career. But these are case reports that seem to have happened. So in terms of toxicity, I don't think that you need to worry about that. Now, I'll tell you this. In my clinical experience, some people are hypersensitive to vitamin D3. Very few people. Very few people. This is just numbers from my head. Out of every 100 people, maybe one person is hypersensitive. I don't want to say allergic, but hypersensitive, where they feel hyper. They get more energy and too much energy. They feel like nervous and anxious. And I don't know exactly why that's the case. And it's a rare scenario. What else? (laughs) Well, as of late, we know that there's immunostimulatory effects with those that have higher levels of vitamin D3. 
So higher levels of vitamin D3 in the body has an immune response. It has a anti-inflammatory benefit in the body, and it has an anticoagulative benefit in the body. What do I mean by that? Anticoagulative means that there's no clotting, less likely of blood cells to clot, and clotting of blood cells causes problems, which leads me to my next point. The benefits of vitamin D3 for everything from all viruses to COVID-19. So the research right now is very clear. Those with deficient or insufficient levels of vitamin D3 have higher rates of COVID-19 that requires critical care or these patients die from COVID-19. Those that are insufficient or with deficient amounts of vitamin D3 in their system. So the hardcore scientists would say the following. Well, that doesn't prove that vitamin D3 supplementation would help. And this is true because I think there's current studies going on now with supplementation of vitamin D3 as it relates to COVID-19. But just because there are people with deficient to insufficient levels of vitamin D3 have higher rates of more serious COVID-19 doesn't mean that the supplementation of vitamin D3 would help. Sure. But what other way are we getting enough vitamin D3 in our system? Is not from the sun because no one is spending that much time under the sun getting sunlight exposure or very few people are without sunscreen. They're not getting it from food because you can't get enough vitamin D3 from food. This is when too much scientific thinking, while I'm a fan of science, look, we've made great strides in medicine because of science and good science. So look, I'm not knocking science. I think with the public now, there's a mistrust with science and certainly with people, with scientists. I get that. But we also start overthinking. There's a Spanish saying, looking for the fifth leg on the cat. There is no fifth leg. The only way to get proper levels of vitamin D in your bloodstream, in your body, is through dietary supplements. And if you're only taking vitamin D3, which there's many factors, some people need more things than different other supplements or not, vitamin D, if you're only taking vitamin D3, it happens to be, on average, a very small pill and inexpensive. So why not? So, yes, there seems to be immunostimulatory benefits. So your immune system is stronger with proper levels of vitamin D3 in your body. There seems to be COVID benefits where enough vitamin D3 in the system lowers the risk of severe illness. It doesn't lower the risk of you getting COVID-19, but it lowers the risk of severe illness. By the way, along with zinc, selenium, and vitamin C, other botanicals as well are helpful. So just to reemphasize, The one pill approach or the one treatment approach is not what you want to focus on. You want to focus on a holistic program, holistic protocol that includes good diet that we're going to talk about at length, or you could look at drgeo.com. I've written about it, exercise and proper sleeping. Let's go back to vitamin D3 and prostate cancer, because one of the areas that I study and that I am, I don't want to say I am a expert. That's a strong word, but I'm a student. Despite the fact that I see a lot of prostate cancer in my clinic and I do a lot of research, written about it, written books, I'm still a student 
of this disease. So the studies are very clear. Those with insufficient levels of vitamin D3 experience higher mortality from prostate cancer. So they die more often than those with either sufficient levels or optimal levels. Another study looked at biopsy tissue. They looked at certain genetic factors and inflammatory molecules in the prostate tissue compared to those that take about 4,000 units of vitamin D3. Then in some cases, they had to remove the prostate for prostate cancer. What they saw was regression in their prostate gland of prostate cancer, sometimes even a lower Gleason score and sometimes less inflammatory markers that typically inflammation can contribute to prostate cancer progression. That observation was only in people who had proper vitamin D levels compared to those with insufficient vitamin D levels. For the prostate as a whole, it seems like serum levels of vitamin D3 are inversely associated with overall prostate volume, meaning that proper vitamin D levels are correlated to smaller prostate gland in comparison to those with insufficient levels of vitamin D3. So there's an overall prostate benefit from vitamin D3 from a benign perspective, and there is protection with vitamin D3 and prostate cancer. And lastly, there is less urinary problems in men who have proper levels of vitamin D3. I can give you studies on erectile dysfunction and vitamin D3. I mean, it's on and on and on, okay? So takeaway is the following. How do you discuss the vitamin D3 scenario with your doctor? By the way, I went to my doctor two years ago, and I said, oh, can you test for vitamin D3? And he was telling me, well, why are we doing that for our studies to show that it's unnecessary? That's wrong. So you have to insist. And look, I understand these guys. It's hard for doctors, medical doctors, or doctors of any kind to stay on top of their own research because they have a busy clinic. They're overwhelmed with their clinic. It's just hard for them to stay on top of their own research. So then they go to conferences maybe once or twice a year. Sometimes they get information from the sales rep, honestly, and that's how they stay up to date. I don't think that's the best approach, but in their defense, it's hard to stay on top of the research. So that's that. The other component is that they're just not trained, for the most part, unless it's a functional medicine doctor, integrative doctor, nutritionally oriented practitioner, naturopathic doctor, functional medicine doctor, unless they're one of those type of practitioners, they're just not trained in nutritional science. And they're really reading the conclusion of some of these studies, or maybe even the buzzwords and the headlines in some newspapers or New York Times, which sometimes even New York Times talks unfavorably about certain vitamins that I don't agree with. So I would say that you want to get your vitamin D levels tested and get it tested every six to every 12 months to see where it's at. I think that sunlight exposure is a good thing and I do recommend it. Yes, be careful. Yes, there's a higher risk potentially of skin cancer. I would say never more than 15 to 20 minutes at a time full body, maybe if you're a man, and I assume that most of you listening are men, just with some shorts, spend as much time out there without sunscreen, lotion, right? Just expose your body for about 20 minutes and take vitamin D3. Take 4,000 to 5,000, get it tested and have your blood test be around 50 nanograms per milliliter 
up to 60. Let me end with this. I don't think that higher than 60 nanograms per milliliters is important. And I don't even know if it's safe, honestly. I don't know if it's safe. So I would go no higher than 60 nanograms per milliliter. In other words, higher is not better necessarily. Just like lower cholesterol is not necessarily better because you need cholesterol for many biological functions. Higher vitamin D3 is not better. So I hope this podcast helped you today. I'm so excited that you're here listening to this because I don't think you're going to get this information from too many other sources. And with that, I'll end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. This is Dr. Gio signing off. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Geo Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time.